Good morning, people of the internet. You're listening to Debbie Radio 79.5 FM, a podcast where we discuss the movie Gross Point Blank one minute at a time. I am your co-host, you, David. And I'm your other co-host, Dev. And on today's show, we're going to be looking at Minute 54, where Marcella gives Martin the rundown on Felix La Poubelle. And uh, Martin looks very dashing in a hotel bathrobe and... Uh, <laughs> Debates opening up the, uh, the the package for his target. So I was wondering if you were going to mention the bathroom because, like, last minute I was thinking about mentioning it, and then we were like, running, time was kind of you know not on our side. So it is it's such a weird little touch, right? Like, it goes to the heart of Martin as a character that he sat on this bed just wrapped in the free bathrobe. Well, not I mean, free, but everyone treats them as free. I feel like there's this this thing in american film and tv i remember an episode of the simpsons as well where mm. homer gets to go to a hotel and like literally it's all about like stealing all of the free things yep um and it kind of feels like that but the thing that really gets me in this scene is like i'm pretty sure that he's wearing his bathrobe over his actual trousers that's what i was thinking I like, feel like it, he's just put this on for no good reason that I can discern. <laughs> right. It's like normally you'd you get back to the hotel room, you'd have a shower, you'd like maybe put your pajamas on or whatever, and then put the bathrobe on on top, right? And you mm. you do that. But he's come back, he's taken off his shirt and mm. put the bathrobe on. And it's yeah. just like, yeah, it's definitely a bit weird. I feel it's a bit I also, weird. I also wonder how light he travels. Like, I don't think he's actually got more than one suit maybe two. Oh, i agree yeah, yeah, yeah. no i think yeah. you're right i think he's just like i think his case only carries weapons <laughs> maybe some underwear I don't know. and and a few fresh shirts i think he's carrying the fresh yeah. shirts yeah yeah american guys especially back in this era there was like it was a real thing in the 90s about fresh shirts i remember seeing the the, the first episode of the west wing you know and there's a point where or, or second episode and there's a point where josh is getting a shirt out of his desk drawer and i was like who the heck keeps because I was a teacher at the time, right? We, there's no way you could leave a spare shirt in a desk drawer. Right? You just couldn't do it. And I was like, who does this? Why do they do this? Do they think they're going to be out all night? Is is this something because you get sweaty, so you have to change? I don't know. And then when I eventually ended up in the private sector in an office, <laughs> I was like, I need to put a shirt in the drawer. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it because turns actually, out it's a thing. Yeah, it is a there, thing. Yeah, and, and especially in that kind of industry where you're potentially working through the night, but you're still going to have to do meetings the next day. And that's the thing. And that's what and it's like, about. It's about yeah. the meetings. Yeah, and and especially that. Yeah, I mean politics, obviously, at that level, but also like a lot of more traditional industries that just have this expectation of you working through the night. And I realize we're having this conversation in a post-COVID world where like half of the workers in the world are or office workers are refusing to return to office period uh, but it is it, there you can dress at home in i mean you know like yeah, there's only, that's you only the thing to be... like it, when you think back to this time you're like no fucking wonder people don't want to go back to the office and yeah you know yeah. have to be in the office until 2 or 3 a.m and not have time yeah. or any way of getting home from there yeah. to then come back in again the next day at 6 a.m like this yeah. is this is not healthy like it's not i mean the other show from that period for me that that I saw later, and I remember thinking, God, this is dire, was the one Sorkin did before West Wing, which was Sports Night. Yeah. Which started off as a, as a no-laugh track sitcom, or rather it had a laugh yep. track, they then got rid of it. It didn't work. The audience didn't know what was going on. It was his first step into kind of dramedy. And um, I can't remember if it's the first or second episode where the whole of 
the, you know, that they finish making the late night sports news, you know, it's done. And then they like wrap up for the night and then they go downstairs to the bar that's built into the same building and then they're in the bar till it closes. And I was like, who the heck? What? Yeah. You know, and then they yep. somehow get up and go in again the next day. I was like, oh, come on. And, and um, but yeah, clearly a thing. Clearly yeah, a the, way of life. That that um, news show that he did much more recently has exactly the oh, same yeah, yeah. vibe as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The newsroom. The newsroom. Yeah. You know, yeah, they, they'll yeah. they'll wrap the news. They'll go to the bar. They'll keep they'll drink until it closes and then they'll go home and come yeah. back in next day and do it all over again. I mean, I find it. I think it's the for me. I find it interesting in the sense that this is the one area where America and Japan sort of connect up. Because you and I obviously <laughs> met working for an American company that was importing Japanese product, yeah. but it was very much this thing that our the, the the senior guys when they were in Japan were perfectly happy to go out in the evenings. But then, as they said to me in Japan, when you go out in the evening, it's still work. Like there's no sense of it not being work everyone knows that if you're going out with the boss you're going out with the, the guests from overseas it's still work regardless of how much you drink yeah. how much you eat whether you end up at karaoke or not it's still you're still on the clock like drunk as anything and it only stops after you finish and go home and i was just like yeah. that's insane but then yeah. you watch these things and you go oh no wonder the americans work well with the japanese <laughs> and it's yeah. true you know the english will just you know, drink instead of eating at lunchtime, and that's that's yeah. a much healthier alternative, right? <laughs> well, I mean, you say that, but I mean, look at France, man. <laughs> Red wine um, at lunch, then nothing happens in the afternoon. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, we should probably actually talk about the film at some point. Well, no, no, because this brings us back to the film quite nicely. Because, of course, we were saying in the last minute when we had uh, um, Mike here, we were talking about um, Joan Cusack's character, Marcella, being asleep in the office. Yep. And we were and, talking and about how... dressed up to go out somewhere, potentially. Right, well, and you right. can't tell if she's gone out and come back or if she's, you know, about to go out. Or... There's just waiting no to sense... to go out, waiting for this call before she can yeah, go out. Like... There's no sense of when this is happening, right? It's yeah. like... You know, all we know is she's there. She's still yeah. there. And she's still she, there. And I think not that's dressed why she's for exasper- the office, dressed for the evening, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's why she's exasperated when she realizes he's not about to be flying back that night. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah maybe. Yeah, that's the point. You know, because, um, like, that means that nothing's finished, nothing's done. Yeah, like, she, she's still going to have to be on high alert for yeah. however much longer, yeah. So, so Felix yeah. Lacubelle. Do you want to give Felix the French Lapubel. lesson on this one? Oh, please. Uh, yeah. Do you want to do it? Or shall I? I mean, I'm happy to you do, do it. it. You're the first. Okay. Teacher. Okay. So, uh, so there's yeah. Um, La Poubelle's the key part, but I'll I'll I'll, I'll mention just in in passing that I think there is a an association with um, the I don't know. There's something cartoon like about using Felix. Oh, Felix Le Chat. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Felix the Cat and, yeah. Yeah, Felix the Cat, Pepe Le Pew. There's something about these names, right? And, um, yeah, Felix the Cat is... And and there is something weird... I shouldn't say this because I don't want to be rude about a man who can break your neck easily, but, uh, you know, Benny the Jet Urquidez is, you know, has an interesting-looking face, shall we say. His eyes are very, very small and set quite relatively far back in the skull compared to... Uh, other sportsmen of his era and and you know the man was champion 
uh, world champion kickboxer, if memory serves, more than once, and um, made it, and then and then was because of that was asked by um, uh, Jackie Chan and other Hong Kongers to get involved in their films. And so some of the most famous Jackie Chan fights, uh, or, or what was originally Jackie's, the three brothers, Jackie Chan, Yen Biao, um, and Sammo Hung, they, they did a series of comedy, action comedies together. And they used to use Benny in those um, because they knew he was a great fighter and they could, you know, he could learn the choreography and then do these spectacular fights with them. So, um, but he, he, yeah, he, he, he comes into this film and, you when you first see him, it's a glimpse of the ghoul, and you don't actually know anything about him. But and even and for those who know, you know, that's a nod to the action fans. That's like a if you know this guy, you know this guy. Yeah, you know. And if you don't, don't worry about it. It's like having Hank Azaria and Danny Aykroyd in a film like this. You know, you it's a statement. Yeah. Um, so calling him Felix is cartoonish because he's slightly short. He's well, particularly compared to Cusack, he's relatively short, um, and he has that odd facial structure but then also la poubelle is the bin <laughs> throw it in the bin Jet de yeah. la poubelle you know it's a nice simple way of saying you know i also like the i also like the way the illustration uh links with point blank as well yeah you know, um yeah. there's something funny about i don't know i don't know maybe it's just me i like alliteration a lot but yeah um and yeah he, uh, yeah also for for american listeners by bin we mean trash can sorry um, yeah, no worries. There's, we, <laughs> we need to translate across three languages in this case, apparently. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Felix the Trash Can is, um, yeah, it's it's just a hilarious name to me. And, it's a and, great name. It's, yeah, it's really watching, funny. Yeah. What is watching this as a kid, it was just, it, it, you know, it always put a smile on my face. And then you get into his interests, right? And you've got Native American arts, ballroom dancing, it's and pornography, so, of course. So like, funny. So funny. I mean, that's where this 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 minute begins, isn't it? With um, you know, with Martin going, "Oh, that's where I know him from. He's an asshole." You know, yeah. the idea that whatever Felix's first job outside of political terrorism was, which apparently was on board an elite liner in the Caribbean, so the play- playground of the rich. Whatever he did, some sort of assassination. I'm assuming, since that's the world we're in. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, and was spectacular an- enough that everyone knows who he is. Yeah, everyone, and and I mean, you know, it it feels like it's not a big world, right? Like you know, when Grocer and Martin are talking to each other right at the start of the film, like all mm. of the players that that Grocer's naming, Martin's familiar with, right? Everybody keeps taps on everybody else in this industry, mm. and so you know, word gets around about this guy that's kind of sprung up that is, you know doing these things and i guess in the case of this cruise line or whatever it was was it, it it's either that it was particularly crass by martin's own standards mm. or it was done maybe in some kind of braggadocious way where like yeah he he really capitalized off of the impact of that and really used that for a sales pitch and i'm not sure yeah, exactly which no i think it's that last one but it's either way one. it's like it's a very apparent like this is you know this is the kind of guy that we're dealing with is this you know very you know effective but probably crass kind of gun for hire with you know no moral code even by martin's definition of the term yeah absolutely absolutely yeah this is not a guy grosser wants the union 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I also find it interesting that this is how we set it up. You know, it's it's once again this thing of America versus the rest of the world, right? There's yep. this thing that goes on through a lot of a lot of uh, mostly '90s thrillers, a little bit in the '80s, where um, I mean, going back to the history of always casting the British or the French as the bad guys in American films, right? Whether they're playing themselves or not. But you also have this thing of uh, the old world is decadent, right? And yeah. laissez-faire to a ridiculous degree. The, the fact that they list Native American art, so we know what you know, Native Americans in themselves, we, that's a whole issue right there, right? This guy likes yeah. original Americana. But then ballroom dancing, Again, America's all about, you know, disco, line dancing, other things, but fun, not not regimented and do the moves correctly. Yeah. And then you have pornography. And it's like and the, that's you know the, the pure the, the 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 one of the great sort of myths of America is that whole business of you know, everything's fine. You know, we don't mind the violence. We're happy with the violence. Sex? No, 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 no. It's terribly English, it's terribly you know the puritanical going back right back to the original start of the country and i i find that intriguing that in a very very simple mode they've just managed to kind of bottle up all those ideas into one summary of one character like he's got no dialogue right he represents all of this stuff like this is the bad guy <laughs> he likes pornography <laughs> like they should have added like you know if you if they if they like given this like another year or two it would have been like make him black and add rap music <laughs> yeah maybe yeah um, i don't know i don't know it's just that thing it's like it's, it's it's the coding of the character you know it's like hannibal lecter right yeah yeah, you know, it, there's something yeah, it's, about it's the how to attitude. communicate everything about the character as efficiently as possible. Yeah, and in this and case, without even the character's presence. Yeah, exactly. So. But it always seems to come down to that thing of, you know, it, I wouldn't call it anti-intellectual, but there is an, a streak of anti-intellectualism that runs through that those characterizations as well. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to Sherlock Holmes. I mean, this is a 19th century thing, right? Yeah, phrenology. Yeah, for sure. You know. And 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 you know Moriarty is a mathematical genius, you know, but yeah. you know he still needs a guy with a gun, you know, the the his lieutenant, you know, in the same way that Holmes is a man of intellect, but he needs Watson with his brawn and his gun, you know, it's it's, it's yeah. kind of an interesting thing that has never gone away in fiction, especially yeah. in American genre fiction. So. Yeah. But Martin here is still Mister. Sm- he's you know he's reasonably smart still, and and he's trying to. You know, move things on, and suddenly this is where Marcella discovers <laughs> he's uh, not coming back. Yeah, and um, obviously has these concern in this, and really is um, quite alarmed, I think, by the state of this. And then, and then, right after that, we're cutting to looking at Martin, who's holding that packet of his target, and it's clearly not even been opened yet. And he yeah. kind of looks at it as if he's going to open it and then just tosses it on the bed. Yeah, exactly. Um, and before we get, you know, obviously for the next minute, we'll talk about this suitcase because then he opens it at the end of this minute. But before we get to that, I want to talk about his um, laptop. <laughs> yeah. And her desktop. So this is your area now. French was mine. This should be your area. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So, I mean, we we made comments earlier on when we got to see uh grocer's home office setup and and how grocer was uh using you know command line interface and and it was all very functional but 
old. Like it didn't, yeah. it wasn't cutting edge. And it, and here even by ninety seven standards, right? For for even for ninety seven standards, and here we see the opposite of that, right? Like this is a very early example of a laptop. He's using the internet so that he and Marcella can be seeing the same thing at the same time. Uh, he's using hands free device to actually communicate with Marcella, which again is is you know something that you. You know, a lot of people still didn't have cell phones at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, this is still the age of the beeper. For those of you old enough to know what a beeper is, <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's it's a time that is very different to to now for sure. But we see the, the contrast, right? We see that Martin is somebody that likes his toys where they have utility. And, I, and it feels like he's very grounded in his his choice of toys they're not something frivolous mm. they are they serve a purpose although i think there may be a little bit of a joke on that one in the next minute um mm. and and this machine is something that you don't see him using right this is not a guy who is obsessed with technology but mm -hmm. he has it available to him for when he needs it for when he needs to see the resumes on these guys for when he needs to receive uh notifications about upcoming jobs right like as we saw with the fax machine in the car he's not afraid of the new technology he doesn't necessarily embrace it he's not mm -hmm. um um an early adopter per se but yeah. he is you know a, a a relatively competent early user i mean everybody everything he does is practical right yeah, absolutely even his conversations me, you know, we said the last episode of the episode before about how he may have some, he may be slightly on, on the spectrum, so to speak, and you know, looking for, trying to figure out the things to say that will make him sound like he fits in. Um, and I think he's the same with equipment. I think it's like, okay, this is new. This is what high-end businessmen have. That's cool. I'll, I'll use it. But it's nothing special. He's not obsessed with it. He's not in love with it. He's not... Yeah, he's not a proto nerd in that sense. Although you know, he the fact that he uses a, the fact that when he first spot, looks at Debbie from the street, he uses a, a um, his scope, mm -hmm. his uh, yeah. his rifle scope says a lot yep. about the kind of guy he is. Is that you know? Oh well, that's the tool I'll use. Um, yeah, that's the tool I have to hand, so it's the one I use. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. He's that, and I think this goes kind of this is this is again very very efficient drawing of character. Yeah, um, for sure. But I, but I also like, but it's also you and I remember the cost of these things as well, right? I mean, this is not cheap hardware. No, but he's also, you know, not a uh, budget hired killer either. No. And and I think you get that sense from like his choice of targets, his ability to push back on, um, you know, clients and and jobs that are presented to him. Mm -hmm. This is this is a professional using what's available to him to do his job to the best of his ability, while wrapped in a hotel bathrobe and still with his suit pants on, with a few eccentricities for sure. <laughs> a, few. <laughs> a few, a few, indeed. Okay, shall we call it there? Let's do it. This was okay. minute fifty-four of the Gross Point Blank podcast, Debbie Radio seventy-nine point five FM, featuring your hosts, co-writers, and co-producers, myself, Dev Sodiger, and Hugh David. Uh, you can find us at all good podcast players, including wherever you're listening to us on uh, YouTube, Twitter, aka X, and Spotify, 
all at Debbie Radio, D-E-B-I Radio, as well as our website, DebbieRadio.com. Once again, D-E-B-I Radio. And if you want to talk with us or share your thoughts on the film or films in general, you can join our Facebook listeners group, Debbie Radio 79.5 FM Fan Club. Sure was clear that all of this was new. Concentrating hard like a little girl. Smoking for the first time. It wasn't a moment. It was a feeling.